Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe that this message is going to bless your life, encourage you, and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Grab a notebook, a pen, and let's jump right in. Well, awesome. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome, awesome. If you don't know me, my name's Luke. I'm the youth pastor here at Encounter Church. And man, God's doing some amazing things here at Encounter Church. I just want to encourage you, sizzling summer nights are coming up. They're going to be awesome. You do not want to miss them. They're going to be a lot of fun. And also, if you've been a first-time guest in the past three months, we want to make sure you're, you know about our newcomers dinner, our welcome party dinner. is for you specifically. We want to get to know you. We're not going to talk about ourselves because you've heard about us. The past three months, you've heard everything about Encounter Church. Maybe you went through Grow Track, but we want to get to know you personally because we care about you more than just you attending our church on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. You're important to us. You're valuable to us. So I encourage you to check out our welcome party. It's going to be a lot of fun. But we're getting ready to dive back into our series called Multiply. Multiply. Who's enjoyed the series so far? Multiply. We've been going through the book of Acts. Man, it's been awesome. Pastor Chris has been killing it, knocking out of the park each and every week. And I get the opportunity to preach on Acts chapter 12. Now, last week we, we talked about uh, being like the church, how at that time was prejudice. And to be honest, we can, maybe if we look at the church today, we have some tendencies, maybe not in our church here demographically, but the church as a whole, the church of capital C, maybe have some prejudice tendencies. And last week, we, we, had the choi- we realized that we have the choice to make. Are we going to be prejudiced in the way we think, oh, that person's not like me. They don't look the way that I look. They don't act the way that I act. Or are we going to be like Jesus saying, they may not look like me, but Jesus has called me to love them. And that, that's the choice we have to make, that no matter what we're going through, no matter who we're going to come in contact with, we have a choice to make if we're going to love them the way that Jesus loves them. And if we're living out what God has called us to do in the Great Commission, we're going to come into contact with people. So I encourage you to continue just to live out what Pastor Chris preached last week and to, to love everybody the way that Jesus loves them. Now you may be wondering, I said we're going to be jumping into Acts chapter 12 this morning. You're like, wait, last week was Acts chapter 10. Now we're going, what happened to chapter 11? Well, chapter 11 is just a recap of what happened in chapter 10. It's Paul, or Peter going to the church saying, hey, this is what, G- what God's given me a vision on. He told me that, that the gospel isn't just for Jewish or Judaizers anymore, but the gospel is for the Gentiles. So that's, that's, that's chapter 11. He's just giving a recap of what just happened in chapter 10. So we didn't need to go back through it. We just did it last week. So we're going to go into Acts chapter 12 this morning. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Acts chapter 12. See, in Acts chapter 12, we have two stories that take place. So we're going to be looking at two different people on two different levels of leadership. We're going to be looking at Herod Agrippa, who is king. He's been appointed king over an area, and he's, he's, he's been leading for a long time. He's a good king. He's good at what he does. He has the clout that needs to be with as a king. Then we're also going to be looking at Peter. Peter is an, starting up in an early church. He's a, a young pastor. He's a He's beginning this multiplication that's happening, that's spreading like a wildfire, that he, he's, he's just trying to figure it out as he goes. Like the Holy Spirit is just guiding him daily. We're going to look at two different people and how we need to live our life when multiplication begins to happen. The title of my, today, today, the title of my message is The Two-Edged Sword of Multiplication. Two-Edged Sword of Multiplication. Because we have a choice to make during multiplication. Either it can be beneficial to our lives or it can be deadly. 
So in Acts chapter 12, verse 1, we're going to start reading here and then go into verse 3 and verse 5 here in a moment. But first, verse 1, it says this. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. And James was the first apostle to be a martyr in the early church. We, we saw Stephen a couple weeks ago be martyr. He's the first martyr of Christian faith, but James was the first apostle to be martyred. So King Herod Agrippa realized that just brought pleasure to the Jewish people. So he arrested Peter. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. But verse 5 says, But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Now, I said, like I said earlier, we have Herod, who's living his life. He's king. He's ruling a, a massive kingdom, ruling over, and over the Israel area, the Jewish area. And then we have Peter, who's leading the early church. Their own in their own right, leading at a high capacity. But they're both in a different season of multiplication. See, they're, they're both leading at different levels. Different people are expecting different things from them. And when, when we look at with Herod, Herod, you see, Herod had influence as king and was an experienced king, but was dealing with a lot of internal and external issues. He had civil unrest within his kingdom, within his region that he was reigning. And because of this unrest, he had the authority over them. Roman Caesar was unhappy with him. They, they were not happy with the civil unrest that was happening. They were like, you need to figure this out or we're going to send somebody else to take your place that's going to make people fall in line. So he has this, this weight on him, like, how am I going to get these people to fall in line? While Peter was just at the beginning stages of the church growing and multiplying. It was booming. The, it was exciting. There was miracles happening. There were people getting saved daily to, at the beginning of Acts, it says. People were, were selling everything they owned to be a family, to be the church. It, it was, it, he was leading at such a high capacity. He, he was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to lead through this. And this served a problem for Herod. Because of Peter's multiplication of the kingdom of God, people who were already angrier were, already, were getting even angrier. They're saying, wow, like, we're already under persecution like, we have to pay our taxes to Caesar. We don't even really want to do that. But now we have this movement of Christianity coming through, and you're not doing anything about it. This is our area. We're, we're supposed to be Jews, and I don't like it that, that you're allowing them to worship freely this Jesus. So they were unhappy, and Herod had a choice to make, to either find a way to please everybody, which as a leader, you're never going to please everybody. He had a choice to make to either honor God in his decision or he had a choice to make to honor people. So he, he arrested James, and he murders James, and he realizes that the Jewish people were happy with him. They're like, all hail our king, Herod Augusta, like, or Agrippa, not Augusta, Agrippa. And they're like, like he, he saw this, and he said, oh, this makes the people happy? You know what, I'm going to get the, the actual leader of this church, Peter. Like, if they love that I killed this apostle, can you imagine what they're going to do if I take out the, the leader of this church? See, Herod had to do something to calm down the unrest or his authorities were going to take him out of that region. So he arrested Peter and put him in prison. And today, I just want to ask you, there's three questions that I'm going to ask you this morning. 
regarding your moment when you begin to step into leadership, but also when you begin to see multiplication happen within your leadership. And first, before I get to these questions, I, I want to I address, maybe you're sitting here today and you say, I'm not a leader. I, I, don't, I don't lead in a position at work. I don't do anything that holds a leadership position. I just want to say I disagree with you. See, leadership is influence. If you influence in someone in any sort of fashion, you're a leader. If you're a parent today, you're a leader. You influence your kids. You influence your family. You may not have the title of boss or manager or leader, but you're a leader. You influence those that you come in contact with each and every day. So we all have a, have a leadership bone in our body. We may not, all of us may not work it, or work it out as much as some other people, or maybe some people you don't even recognize that it's there, but we all have leadership. We all have influence. So my first question today is, do you have clout? Do you have clout? And maybe you're sitting here, Luke, what does clout even mean? Well, clout is, is it's kind of a trendy word at the moment with our, our Gen Z audience. I'm the youth pastor, so I had to throw in a little Gen Z reference out there. So clout, clout means this, influence or power, especially in politics or business. So clout means just influence. You have power. You, 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 you are a leader in some sort of fashion. People look to you to see what's happening, what, what trends you're setting. And Herod had clout because he was the leader. Everybody looked to him for what rules he was going to pass, how he was going to govern that region. People looked to him for what was going to happen. In verse 3, when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. The first thing we notice is that Herod is using his clout for self-gain. He's using his clout for self-gain. I can't say for certain, but it seems to me that Herod Agrippa probably didn't really care a whole lot about religion. He probably didn't really care about what Peter was doing in the church or didn't really care about what the Jews were doing. He was just a middleman stuck between two people groups that weren't upset, that were upset with each other. And he said, okay, like I got to figure out what I'm going to do here. And he, he decided, what can I do to get myself promoted more? What can I do to make people happy? What can I do to make the leaders that are over me happy? So he began to lead out of clout. He began to lead out of what people thought about him instead of what God thinks about him. But when he recognized that he got influence, that his clout grew when he murdered James, he began to do that more often. He began to, to continue to arrest people and to persecute the early church. And when he realized that he wasn't doing that, his clout was in danger. His opportunity to grow as a king was in danger. He was going to lose everything he had. Here's what we can learn from Herod in this situation. When you allow society, your peers, maybe your friends, your family to, to tell you how to live your life, or that you see it pleases them in a certain way, instead of following after God, giving honor to him, seeing what he wants for your life, we begin to let our clout influence us. We allow these things to influence the choice we make, to influence the direction we go. And you side with what they want instead of what God wants for you. Then you, have, then you have allowed clout in your life to change you instead of you using your clout to further the kingdom of God. See, we all have a choice to make. Can either we can allow what we want to take place or we can allow what God wants for us to take place. 
See, each and every single one of us has a calling. God has called us to do something. Maybe it isn't to be a pastor. Not everyone's called to be a pastor or a missionary or, or something in the church. Some of you are called to be teachers, to be doctors, to be lawyers, to, to work in a, a workplace that isn't the church. See, we need people like you. And we all have a calling to be a witness. But we got to be careful not to push our agenda across, but to push God's agenda. we got to say, God, this isn't about me. I, I'm not trying to further who I am as a person, but I'm trying to further your kingdom. So we can't allow our clout, we can't allow our influence, what we want to push us in the direction. And that's what happened to King Herod. The second thing is, the second question I have is, do you have confidence? Do you have confidence? See, we, we get to Peter. Let's, let's look at Peter for a minute. We all know Peter. Peter. Peter is the guy, like, sometimes he gets a bad rap. We, we, like to, we like to judge Peter because Peter was a hothead. He, like, we all know the story of Peter cutting off the ear when they come, came to arrest Jesus. Like, we like to think of what Peter did in those moments. Or like to think of when Peter said something that he wasn't supposed to say. Like, I, I, like when he was on the mount with Jesus and Jesus was being transfigured and he says something. Like, we should, we should build a sacrifice for, for you, Abraham, and uh, Elisha, and make a sacrifice to you guys because you, you guys are awesome. And Jesus is like, hold up. No, like, get thee behind me, Satan. Like, Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, to, to Peter. But I think we give Peter a bad rap sometimes because we see Peter in us. We don't like what Peter does sometimes because we see him in us. And we see him do these things and we're like, man, this Peter guy, he, he's an He's, not, he's a dummy sometimes. Like, he needs to think before he does stuff. Well, I need to think before I do stuff too. So we have no room to talk. We all have a little bit of a Peter in us. Ultimately, the difference between Peter and Herod was Peter had confidence in who Jesus said he was. In Matthew 16, 18, it says this. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So we see, we see Peter today, he didn't just get a name change from Jesus, but he had a heart change. He went from being Simon the fisherman to Peter, who Jesus was going to build the church upon. And today, if you, if you are a new creation in Jesus, if you accepted Jesus in your life, you have been given a new, ga- a new name. You've been given a new purpose. You have a new calling. Whoever you were in your past isn't you anymore. You are who God says you are now. And today, I, I just want to remind you that you can have confidence in that. That no matter what comes against you, whatever you're facing, you can have confidence. See, we see Peter, he gets thrown into prison. He could be like, you know what, this is... Why am I doing this thing? Why, why am I being, why should I further leading this church? This is the end. I, I, people don't like me. They, they threw me in prison because they didn't like me. I'm not a good leader. I'm not a good pastor. I'm not good at this church thing. But Peter didn't stay there. He didn't say uh, in the dumpster, uh, woe is me mentality. But he, re- he went back to when Jesus gave him a new name, the new identity that Jesus gave, gave him. 
And for some of you today, maybe you need to stop allowing the thoughts that creep in your mind saying you're not good enough, you're not who, that when you come in on Sunday morning, people don't know what you did on Saturday night. If they knew what you did on Saturday night, nobody would accept you here in church. You need to let those thoughts go and begin to remind yourself of who Jesus says you are. You begin to remind yourself that you are a son of God, that you are a daughter of God, that he loves you so much and that there's anything that you would ever do will never make him love you any more or any less. When you come to a place to realize that I can't do anything to make him love me any more or any less, that's when you truly experience what it means for God to love you. Because God loves you so much. There's nothing you can do to earn it. He looks at you from the beginning of time. He said, I love them. He said, I, I, I know what they're going to go through. I know the mistakes they're going to make. I know how many times they're going to trip and fall, but I, I still love them. I see you exactly where you are. I, I, I still love you. See, we got to take confidence in who Jesus says we are. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, this Jesus guy, like, I hear you talking about him, but does he really love me? Like, does he really care about me? Like, I, I hear people say that he, he loves me, but does he truly love me? He does. And here in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to encounter him. Because he wants to meet you exactly where you are. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to make yourself a better person for him to, to love you or to save you. But you just have to come as you are. Just confess with your mouth that he is Lord and Savior of your life and ask to be forgiven of your sins. And he'll meet you exactly where you are. See, we have a confidence that we can take in Jesus. We need to stand firm in the calling that he's placed upon us. My third thing is clout versus confidence. What's the difference between clout and confidence? Like, why is there such a big deal here? Why, why, did, why did Peter have a favor of God upon his life when Herod didn't? Let's look back at verse 3. Herod, when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. He also arrested Peter instantly. And in verse 23, instantly an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness. Because he accepted people's worship instead of giving glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. That's, that's brutal. That's like... First off, like, that, there's enough for me to not take pride in who I am as a person or what I've done or my gifts and my goals or my achievements that I've done because I see what God did to a man who began to take praise for himself. See, we see Herod letting clout get to his head. We see Herod choosing to make a name for himself rather to, than to make a name for God. See, making a name for yourself is dangerous. Oh, you know, I, I've been working at this for my whole entire life. For the past 30 years, I devoted myself to this business. And man, it's, it's going amazing. Look at what I've done. I put in the work. I put in the time, put in the hours. Well, cool, you did put in hours, but it, it was your hard work that helped you get there. But ultimately, it was God who gave you that opportunity, that gave you the idea for a business, or gave you the idea to work in whatever field of work you're in. It isn't ultimately just your choice that you made. God placed you on a path to follow. And he's the one that's working in you to produce that. See, King Herod, he, yeah, he was appointed. And he was under some, some high-up authority that, that he was under, that mentored him, that led him 
to help him to be the king that he was. And he could take confidence in that. He could take pride in that. Instead of saying, you know what? Humble himself. Yeah, I was under some amazing leaders. I was under some amazing kings. But I have to give glory to God for this. We don't see that. He begins to let the people praise him. Like he's saying, come on. Yes, I'm your king. Give, give me more. Give me more. Like, instead of saying, no, I, I don't want your worship. I don't want your praise. See, we are called to pursue God's way, not our own. We're called to follow after what he wants. He, he has a vision for our lives. It may not be the vision you have for yourself, but I can promise you this, a vision that he has for your life is far better than whatever vision you have for yourself. Because our God is the God of more. In Ephesians 3.20 says, God can do immeasurably more than we can ever think or imagine. If God can do more than I can think or imagine, then I'm going to pursue after him. I'm going to, I'm going to say, God, whatever your vision you have for me, I want that because whatever I have is going to fall way short of whatever you have. God has a vision for your life. It's far greater than you can ever think or imagine. But when we pursue our own ways, then we start giving ourselves credit. Like we're the ones who got us where we are. And that's when it turns to pride. Yesterday there was a speaker at the men's conference. His name was Tim Timberlake. And he said this quote, and it stuck with me like the moment he said it. Without giving God praise, it will turn to pride. Without giving God praise, it will turn to pride. Whatever, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, if you don't begin to give God praise, it's going to turn to pride. You're going to begin taking credit for whatever you're going through. But when you pursue God's calling, what he wants, then you have no, no, one, to, you have no one to give credit to but God. You know you can't accomplish his mission on your own. See, I think that's why when God calls us to something, it seems impossible. It may look like, how am I ever going to achieve this? I think he does that on purpose so that we have to give him credit. That we can say, oh, I, I went to school and I studied for this long and I, I got this degree and then I went into this workforce and I began to work up and climb the ranks and now here I am and I'm the leader of this corporation and God doesn't, God wants us to turn it to praise. See, God calls us to impossible things so that we can give him all the praise. And that gives us confidence, which leads us to Peter. See, Peter was arrested, and, and then while he was in prison, I think there was like 12 guards that was around him watching him day and night to make sure that he wasn't going to escape. And then God comes in and sends an angel to set him free. In verse 11, Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and has saved me from Herod and from the Jewish leaders, what the Jewish leaders had planned for me. So he, after he leaves, after he's out of prison, after his angel makes, lets him through these locked gates, removes the shackles from his hands, he, he goes to the house where these believers were praying for him earnestly. These prayers... We don't say what these, what these early believers were praying or if they truly believed that God was going to set him free because, quite frankly, if we look at later in the passage, we see that they're shocked that he's there. They weren't expecting him to come. 
We don't know what kind of prayers they were praying for him. Maybe they were saying, oh, God, if you can work a mighty work, please let Peter go. Or, oh, God, if, if Peter goes, then who are we going to have lead the church? Or what's going to happen? How are we going to get out of this? What are we going to do if the day come after us? We don't know what they're praying. But we, but we know they weren't expecting Peter to show up at the front door knocking. So after he makes it to the house of the other believers, after escaping prison, let's look at what he says in verse 17. He mentioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. See, Peter, ultimately, when he was set free, he could have took credit. Yeah, I, I worked my way out. I don't know what happened. These guards just fell asleep, and I, I picked the lock somehow. I got free. Like, anybody seen the show Prison Break? Like, it's a, it's a pretty good show. I watched it a while back. Like, I think of that, like, he tattoos his body, like, an escape plan of how to get out of this prison. Like, Peter could say, yeah, I, I, I was working on a plan. Uh, you know, I'm just smart. You know, I just worked my way out. I got mad enough. Maybe I just turned into the Hulk and broke the chains off and just got out of here. No, but Peter says, tell, tells everyone to quiet down. The Lord has set me free. It wasn't anyone else. It was God who set me free. It was God who took me out of that prison, out of that place of captivity, and set me free. See, we have a choice on how to respond when there's multiplication and amazing things happening around us. Do we let pride in? The definition of pride is this. A feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from our own achievements. I, I like this definition of pride. I think it, it hits on what pride is, but I also think there's a little bit missing to this definition. Pastor Scott Wilson at the Oaks Church says this. Pride is thinking you know more than God, both in arrogance and in insecurities. Thinking, God, I know more than God and I know what's right for my life. Or knowing, man, God, I, I'm nothing. Do you really think that I can do something? Like, see, we think pride is thinking too high of ourselves, but pride is also thinking too low of yourself. Thinking you're not good enough for whatever God's called you to. See, we, we, we can't let pride creep in. Maybe today you're on the side of, man, I, the achievements I've made, I, I've worked for them. I've did it. No one else has helped me except myself. Or maybe you're on the other side and you think too lowly of yourself. You don't think that whatever you've done is good enough. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to make it to that position. Man, God's called me, but I, don't think, I think God messed up. If you're thinking God messed up, God doesn't make mistakes. When God created the world in Genesis 1, he's, he looked over it after everything was created and said, it's good. It's perfect. It's exactly what I wanted. And when God created you, he looked at you and said, they're perfect. I didn't make a mistake. I made them exactly the way that they are. And I love them. See, we got to take look at confidence. we got to take confidence in who God says we are. Confidence is knowing who you are despite your circumstances while having the humility to know who has called you, who has appointed you. Seeing Peter knew who called him. He knew 
that Jesus had given him a calling. He knew that he wasn't Simon anymore. He knew that his name is now Peter. He's a rock on which God is going to build a church. He's going to be the first pastor. He knew that. He took confidence in that. But he didn't let it go to his head. He didn't say, man, I'm just a great leader. I'm glad Jesus picked me because if he didn't pick me, who knows where the church will be today. Like, no, he said, God's called me. I am who he said I am. I take confidence in that. I'm sure he reminded himself daily of that conversation that he had with Jesus. I'm sure he reminded himself daily of after he denied Jesus three times and when Jesus came and met him and said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, I love me. Peter, do you... Jesus, you know my heart. You know my motives. I love you. See, I don't think Jesus was getting... To, uh, trying to get affirmation for himself, but I think he was telling Peter to remind him of the call that he has for him. To remind him that he's called him to be the leader of the church. To remind him that he has this godly confidence that can't come from anything else but except God. That I, I can't take, take credit for what I've done. I can't take credit for the accomplishments I make, but all I can do is give it to God. Thank you, God, for the opportunity that I've got to lead this church. Thank you, God, for letting me escape prison. Thank you, God, that I'm still alive today, that they didn't just chop my head off right in that moment, but I'm still here. I'm still alive. Thank you, God, that I I can breathe another day, that I can lead the church another day. So my last question today for you is, who are you making famous? When, when you're in, in a role in life, when you're leading, when you're seeing multiplication happen, when you're seeing amazing things happen, who are you making famous? Are you making yourself famous? Man, look what I've done. I've done all these things. I, I, I should take credit for this. The fame is mine. Or are you saying, I'm making Jesus famous. What he wants from me, that's what I want. Where he wants me to go, that's where I go. Because when we think about what Jesus has done for us, the price that he paid for us, when you look at that we were dead right to our sin, that our punishment was spiritual death. We can't take credit for that because Jesus paid the ultimate price. Who are you making famous today? Maybe this is a question you need to sit and stir on for the next couple of days. Maybe it's something that you need to repent of because you, you... Right now you're thinking, I've messed up. I haven't been giving God praise for what he's done in my life. I haven't been giving God the full credit for what he's done. See, God just wants our obedience to say, God, whatever you want, I want. I want to go where you want me to go, wherever you lead, I go. See, when we're obedient, that means so much more to God than whatever sacrifice we make, whatever check we write and then put in an offering. Our obedience means more to God than anything. All he wants for us is to give it back to him. Give him the praise. Because when we get him, when we give him praise, it builds confidence of everyone around us. When we say, look what God's done in my life, it builds the confidence, man, if God could do that in their life, He can do that in my life. 
That's what God wants from us, to give him praise. Let's pray this morning. Thank you again for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to your life.